All right, welcome back, friends. We are here for another episode of the Guts and Grind podcast. This week, we are interviewing our good friend, Tobin Varghese. But first, Sajan Abraham, my co-host. How are you, bud? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's exciting for the season to interview like Tobin. It was great. If you're watching this, you've probably already seen other episodes. This episode is really great. He has a lot of good insight as far as his take on real estate, his journey, and all those kind of things. Sidju, was there anything that popped in your mind when you were talking to him, like the show that we're about to see, like any kind of highlights you want to put out there? Yeah, it's great that you brought that up. I think creativity is, I think, one of the things that kind of stood out, you know, like, I mean, he's a realtor, you know, just how he started out, right? I mean, I think one of the things that kind of intrigued me about him was he started out in the short-term side of the business early yeah. when before Airbnb kind of blew up and everything. But then how he evolved into working his nine to five and kind of balancing this. But then, you know, he started his own little rendering company for real estate agents. That was kind of cool. I mean, it's, it's thinking outside of the box of needs of what, you know, other realtors need, the, what the industry needs and kind of setting yourself apart, right? So yeah. just value add, especially in this day and age, you know, everybody's a realtor, you know, figure out what, what you can bring to the industry. No, definitely. Definitely. I think the key word for this episode is pivot. And so <laughs> I hope you enjoy, sit back, relax. Let's just dive into the show. You're listening to Guts and Grind with Siju and Sajin, making the real estate journey accessible to anyone. All right, welcome to the show. Uh, we have Tobin Varghese on the show. Tobin, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got started in real estate. Sure. So my name is Tobin Varghese. Been in real estate for about 18, 19 years or so, just kind of part-time. My background uh, career-wise is as an IT business analyst. Been doing that for oil and gas for the last 10 to 11 years. Yeah, I mean, how I got into real estate Honestly, it was just kind of like, hey, you know, there's this thing, real estate, everybody's doing it. Let me try to jump in and see what's going on with it. And a lot of it had to do with, you know, just trying to help friends and family, right? And that's the that's been the common theme in my real estate career for, you know, ever since the beginning, right? So, but yeah, that's how I got in. Are you an actual real estate agent? I am. I you have are. been an agent for about almost uh, 18, 19 years, yeah. When did you uh, actually get the itch to say, hey, let me get that license? Were you in the IT background or did you have a career when you were doing your real estate license or? No, actually, I, I got my real estate license first, right? So I was just doing, you know, I was out of school, just kind of doing things here and there, just had a regular job, right? I really wasn't into the IT career yet. Yeah. And like I said, it was, it was just kind of this thing, like everybody's doing it and like, hey, you know, you can make some pretty good money. And the money thing was cool, but it was more like, hey, you know, I got to uncle here that needs a house and a cousin here that needs a house. And I mean, like, why not? Why can't I help them? Right. It was just kind of like a, it started off as a curiosity and just kind of was there to help my friends and family. Yeah. Really cool. I have known you for so long. I didn't realize that you were in real estate for that long. Like I knew you were in the game for a bit, but almost 20 years, man, that's impressive. Yeah. Um, very low key. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not a good thing for a real estate agent, though. <laughs> right, right. No, but like it all serves its purpose, right? And some clients want a low-key agent, too, because they probably don't want all their business out there as well, right? Exactly. Nowadays, you see you see a lot of realtors snapping the pictures and saying, hey, we just closed on this house and blah, blah, blah. And that's all cool. Like, I'm not trying yeah. to knock it. But it's also like some clients don't want that, right? They don't want their business out there saying like, oh, he just moved again or what's going on with them or, oh, uh, they're moving on up, blah, blah, blah. Like, people just want to be low-key. So th there's a... 
a market for everybody, right? That's really good. So in regards to investing, what's your thoughts on that? Are you in any kind of uh, real estate investments or anything like that? Or You know, so like several years ago, so it's been about 15 years, I bought a condo in the Galleria. I got a pretty good price on it and everything. And I ended up living there for a while. And that was really my first foray into I guess, in investing, right? But I, I needed a place to stay, so I bought that place. And once I moved out and moved into a house and everything, you know, I just, I kept it. I was just like, you know, I really don't want to get rid of it. Let me bring some rental income in. And honestly, like, since then, like, that's really been the only place that I've purchased, right? I mean, I grew up with my dad having some, you know, rental properties here and there. But yeah, as far as myself, like, I've always helped other people do this. But for myself, that was the only one, right? So we'll get more into it later. But you know, there's a I feel like the journey is just beginning for me as far as like uh, investing for myself. But yeah, I've got one property right now. I like to say that I have four quarter properties at the same address, right? <laughs> to make it sound like I got more. But yeah. <laughs> now that's awesome. And everyone's journey is different, right? So it's not yeah. like it's a, a good or bad, right? I mean, everyone has different experiences, which you said your dad had real estate, and then you had the one is there anything that triggered you to say, I do want to get into this world as far as like investing? Because I understand the whole realm of being an agent, you know, because that's a, an element of like bringing a service to people and being able to generate money that way and things like that. But was there any draw to actually investing into rental properties? Like, you know, just even with the condo, like, was there something that stopped you from getting more as far as like, oh, this is this landlord game is not what I want to be in? Or is it just like, no, life happens. And I'm, you know, I'm doing different things, but going the IT route, you know, whatever it is. Like, so what's the color on that? You know, as far as like being a landlord, I think people make it out to be a lot harder than it actually is. I mean, of course there's its ups and downs. I mean, no matter how much due diligence you do, you're going to come across tenants that will, you know, basically give you hell. Right. And, but you deal with those things, right? You learn from them and you, you make plans for the future. But as far as like things, why I haven't done real estate investing since then, it's exactly what you said, right? I mean, it, there was um, a whole nother dynamic as far as like family is concerned, correct? We had different priorities. I had different priorities, right? Like I was, I, you know, went back to school, I got into IT and just kind of, maybe this is not the right terminology, but you know, I like the full-time job thing, you know, it's like a regular paycheck, you know, I don't need to worry yeah. about this or that. Right. I got my one place. I'm good. I'm getting some money every month and it's simple. So I guess there was a part of me that was just kind of comfortable, you know, and maybe I shouldn't have been, especially looking back. Yeah. I shouldn't have been as comfortable, but yeah, it was just, you know, life was there and I had other priorities at the time. What's cool is that, yeah, like, like Saad said, man, I knew you were a realtor and I knew that, you know, you, you've been in it for a while, but you know, one of the things that sticks out about Tobin that reminds me is the short-term game. Cause I believe you said you kind of dabbled a little bit on the short-term rental side with, with your condo. Mm -hmm. Right. I remember speaking, we did this a few years ago and actually we talked and he said, man, there's, this is before I want to say before COVID, oh, yeah. and I remember he he kind of mentioned that, you know, hey, you know, short term is where the money where you can generate some cash. And I never really thought much about it. But now, obviously, post COVID, and all the short term rental game that kind of came out, I saw how people were capitalizing on this, right? So how did you pivot into like, you're your, taking your condo from a long term to a like, a like a short term, what, what kind of kicked that or spawn that off? So with a lot of the things that I do, right? Like it's really just a matter of like experimenting, right? I, I heard about it, right? I heard about this short-term rental thing and can it really be as lucrative as it, you know, they say it could be. I was, I was like, tenant lease was up. And I was like, well, okay, what's the big deal? Why not try it? 
Let's try it out. And so I set everything up as far as, you know, getting stuff on Airbnb, finding someone to clean the place after every visit. I said, got all that stuff up, taken care of up front. And man, I did, I couldn't believe it. Like it just, it hit, right? People were getting online. They were like renting the place. And then I was expecting, oh, you know, weekend here, weekend there. But no, I mean, people were doing like a month, two months at a time. And I'm like, like people are like willing to pay these crazy prices. Well, I thought they were crazy prices, right? But I mean, it was great. So it was really just a matter of experimentation and it, and it just hit, it, it lived up to the hype. So, did, yeah. Did you have it furnished or did you have to invest a little bit to kind of get it started? Like, and what, what did that kind of look like? So at the time when the tenant left, of course, place was bare, right? It was nothing in it. As soon as I made the decision, it was, you know, Ikea became my best friend, right? There's that, that super cheap TCL TV or whatever that is, right? The cost there was an upfront cost because, you know, like Ikea has some cheap stuff, but it looks nice, right? I mean, they've got some decent things there. And for a renter, that's all they need, right? The biggest expenses were probably like the couch, getting the beds together, things like that. But, you know, the great thing was like after you have those things in place, it slowly starts paying itself off though, right? But let me put it this way. I didn't spend like five, $6,000 like you hear like some people furnishing their places, right? A max three grand to oh, furnish everything. Bad. Once my cleaners cleaned the place up, the only thing I really had to do was go there, make sure everything was cool, pour some candy in a bowl and, you know, we we're good to go. So you did the long-term rental for how long before you shifted to short-term? I did long-term rentals at least six years, six, seven years, maybe. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so are, are you permanent short-term rental now or did you shift back to long-term or what does no. it look like currently? Yeah. So that was, that was a disappointing story, actually. You know, uh, I had to go back to long-term rentals because I have a neighbor that's, you know, keeps an eye out on the property, which comes in handy. Right. But she started noticing that people were, were like every month or so were yeah. coming in and out of the property, different people. So she complained. And apparently there was a rule that I didn't see in the bylaws. I didn't even bother to check the bylaws. Right. But there's a rule that you have to be there for a minimum of six months. So it was annoying because I felt like, you know, Hey, I had this opportunity here to make way more money than I've been making. And now, you know, you're messing with my money. Okay. But there's <laughs> nothing I can problem. do. You know, you got to play by the rules, right? Sure. Sure. But it feels up to you. You'd think short-term would be the way to go as far as like for future investments. Like, is that like, cause I'd like to just to be very frank, I, I have uh, long-term rental properties and mm -hmm. I hear the murmurs of like, Oh, short-term that's the way to go. Like that's where really yeah. all the money's at. You just like everything you said, like you put in an initial investment, of like furniture and like cutlery and whatever, right? Things like yeah. that where people could use it. But the it's like three to four times more than what you'd be making if it was a long-term rental. And mm -hmm. so that's very appealing. But I, whenever a lease is up, I get super nervous about like, mm, am I going to dump this money to furnish a house and do all those things? And then, then also manage it on an ongoing basis. Like since you've experienced both, like what are your thoughts on that? Like if you had control over the rules of, you know, being able to do short-term, like what would you pick? I mean- it really boils down to this, right? Like I'm, I'm a proponent of both, right? It really just depends on your location and, you know, where you're going to put it. If you have a property that's near some kind of destination, right? Regardless of what it is, like medical centers are great. I mean, you don't want it to be, but it's a destination because people need to go to the medical center from all over the world. They need places right. to stay and not on a long-term basis. 
So if you have something in the medical center, yeah, it's, it makes sense to maybe do short-term rental there, right? But then again, you know, you got your long-term people, you got your students, you got your nurses and doc, things like that, right? So yeah, I mean, those are the things that really dictate whether or not you do long-term versus short-term, right? But yeah, like if, I mean, my place is in the gallery area, right? I didn't know if it was going to be like a destination spot. I know people go to the gallery area, right? But yeah, I mean, it ended up hitting. And if, if I could change it, man, I mean, I would because it worked out for me. So, of course. Yeah. But yeah, but like I said, those is it's really the location and the destinations that are around that that area that really dictate whether or not you're going to do it. Let me ask you a question, Tobin. Have you ever considered like the midterm market? So they said they have the short term, which is anything less than what's seven days Then I'm hearing about this midterm market, right? I wonder if that'll kind of fit into your business plan of three to six months or let's just say six months, right? I mean, I don't mm -hmm, know if that's right. that may be an option, but I hear that I hear there's that's a good balance for people that have, you know, long-term and want to get into the short-term, right? And just kind of yeah. dabble into the short-term, you know? You know, that's a really good question. After the whole disappointment of, you know, being forced to go back in the long-term, it just bothered me. So I just kind of never looked into it. But no, you're right. Like, um, since the minimum is six months, I mean, I could definitely get more money off of six-month term than a year long, right? So I guess what I fight with in my own head is like, um, how many people are really going to want to do a six-month lease, Right. And if they're willing to do six months, like, why wouldn't they do a year, especially for the Galleria area, right? And then how much of an increase can I get on a six-month versus a, a one-year, right? And then are those people really going to, like, pay that difference? Wouldn't they rather just do one year? It, it boils down to the, what the reason is for being there for six months, right? Now, if right. I like I said, if I was in the med center and I didn't want to do, like, a regular, like, consistently managing the property, six months would be a great thing, right? Because you're going to have people that are going to be there for multiple months at a time. But for the gallery area, I mean, it's worth like, is you know, now that you bring it up, it's definitely worth making it an option and just seeing if people actually, you know, how they react to it, right? Are, are they going to try to say, oh, yeah, I'd like a six month. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. And I'm definitely going to do it now. Yeah, <laughs> I am. But I've been doing research on midterm as well. And so I've reached out to Furnish Finder, mm -hmm. which is like they deal with travel travel nurses. Mm -hmm. And I think that travel nurse thing the is- The greatest tenants in the world, by the way, are nurse travel nurses. Nurses, really? I love them. Oh. Yeah, they're the best. Oh, that's good. That's good to know. In my but, experience but like, so far. Okay, well, that's good to yeah. know. Because like, I, I mean, from what I've been hearing, it's like this, they come in, they're barely there. They just want a safe place to live. Yeah. And they, they're working all day, right? Mm -hmm. But I would get emails. I currently get this because I reached out. I just want to explore a little bit. Almost every day I get emails like with three or four listings, people looking for houses. And so I'm like, oh, wow. Like I didn't realize it was a thing. And and my houses are in the burbs. So I'm like, yeah. if you're in the gallery or the, like you said, the med center, it seems like, oh, that'd be an ideal situation for a midterm rental. So yeah, yeah. maybe something to explore. So when you were forced to go from long-term, well, no, you went from long-term to short-term and then forced back into long-term, yeah. what'd you do with all that furniture and all the things that you've uh, accumulated for your short-term rental? Okay. So, I mean, I, I was lucky. All right. So the person that came in right afterwards. So what I did was this, I jacked up my rent a little bit, right. For this next long-term thing, more than what I was going to do. Right. So okay. let's just, I'll throw a number out there. Right. So I'll say, I put it out there for 1500 fully furnished. Right. But then I also put down on there, I will drop the rent to $1,400 if you keep all the furniture there. So that way, if they were like, no, I want all the furniture out. Fine. If I have to store it, then I have that extra $100 every month to right. store it if I needed to until I can get rid of it. Smart. So luckily the person, they were like, no, I'll, I'll keep it in here. And, and I kept the inventory of it. So when she left at the end, I was just like, I don't want to store this stuff. I don't want to have to deal with it. 
Yeah. I was like, tell me everything you want. And I'll give you a price for it. And she ended up buying like half of the apartment. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. that's a brilliant move. I would have never thought of that. Like to give a discount for keeping the furniture. That makes sense. It's like, counterintuitive, actually. People look, they hear that and they're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. No, but for your situation, it makes sense because exactly. it's a cost. It's a cost for you or even a headache. Like, oh, I got to haul this stuff out, sell it mm -hmm. to somebody or throw it away, which is a waste of money. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so that's a, uh, that's brilliant. Good move, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Just to roll back a little bit. I know you said you picked up at the condo. How did you have enough, like get into it? Did you finance it? Like this is years ago, I assume. So like, yeah. what did the rates look like? What was the, uh, the plan around that when you had, oh, geez, man. yeah. So I just wanted a place, right? Yeah. So I was just looking on HAR and I was an agent at this time. So I was just looking around and I found it, this guy, he was a broker owner of the place his niece was living there and he just didn't want to deal with it anymore he wanted to move out of state and so he was like man i'll just yeah here's the price and i was like i'll take it for this much he was like fine so ended up buying that i don't remember what the rates were but it was my first place um so i, I, I want to say the rate was somewhere in the three to four range yeah and i did like a regular conventional financing on it for like a 30-year conventional yeah just been a having my tenants pay the mortgage off every year so That's, far it highlights you know what, what you just mentioned is you know there's people out there that are distressed right mm -hmm. whether it's they want to unload something or you know there's there's these situations and you won't run across those until you get out there hit the ground make the phone calls you know wh whether it's get on hjr or, or realtor.com and find these properties and just you know just pick up the phone and call these guys right and say yeah. hey well, what's the situation it's, some realtors I've had the same situation. I had one of the realtors was a realtor for his daughter who was mm -hmm. living out of state and her ex-husband was living in the house. So I knew he had, you know, a bunch of, you know, opportunity. He wanted to unload this, this property. Right. So you, yeah. you see, you see the need and you kind of capitalize on that. So kudos to you for, you know, finding that and kind of, it sounds like you got your own price, right? Whatever you, you kind of kind of right. said a little bit sometimes. well you know i mean when i said fine like there were a couple of other offers i gave him that he was like he's like hell no <laughs> of course right but i think that's right. just the nature of it right you're just going to kind of test the waters a little bit but you know, at the end of the he gave me a few thousand dollars off and it was still a really good price for the place and it's you know an appreciation is yeah. is our friend right so location you can't beat location and location yeah can't beat location and like yeah. timing time in the market too right like you're saying yeah. you've had this property for this long i mean mm -hmm. that's a big deal you know what i mean yeah. like as far as like your equity growth so you you were the agent for that deal for yourself right do you see any benefits of being an agent as opposed to just because i like for example i'm not an agent but i'll pick up properties and i'll use my agent to do it mm -hmm. do you see any positive uses of having your license versus like the the cost of it and, you know, maintain the continued education credits that you need, things like that. Would you recommend someone that's trying to be a real estate investor to become an agent? From one aspect, from the buying aspect, I would say not really because buyers don't pay commissions, right? Right. So you're basically as a buyer, you're getting a service for free, right? But as an investor, when it comes to see, it really all comes down to your time horizon too. Like, what are you planning to do with the property at the end of the day? Right. So if there's going to be a time where you're divesting, right. right. And you want to sell the property, you're going to save a nice chunk of change if you're right. selling your own property. Right. So that's where that comes in. But I feel like someone who, so let's pretend you're selling a house, right. Let's pretend I'm not an agent right. and I'm saying, Hey, I'm going to save you like more than $10,000 because I'm not using an agent. Right. So how about you knock off, 
you know, seven to eight thousand dollars off the price of this house. Right. You know, you're saving two thousand dollars right there. Right. It really depends, right? Because at the end of the day, the real estate agents aren't the only negotiators, right? You know, we're not sure. we're not gonna we can't say we're the best at all this stuff, right? There's some people out there, there's some mom and pops out there that'll go straight to a seller and man, they can negotiate you know, water for a drowning man. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're, I mean, they'll, right. because at the end of the day, it really just comes down to like the relationships that you're going to build with, with these people, right? Like, how are you approaching these people? And, you know, sometimes you just don't need an agent. I mean, and people hate when I say that stuff, man, because I'm not like <laughs> a proponent of like, I'm not saying, oh, agents are the best and blah, blah, blah in every situation. Right. But no, I'll never say that because it's not a reasonable thing to say, right? There's a situation where it'll call for an agent, right? If I want to buy a house or if I want to sell a house and I'm just, I just don't have the time or maybe I just don't have the knowledge and I just don't care. Like I just want to, you know, whatever my reason is, yeah, I might need an agent, right? But man, especially nowadays, like there's, if people have the time, which is a big thing, right? It's not like a trivial thing. A lot of people just don't have time, but if people have some time, they can easily figure out how they can, you know, buy and sell properties without an agent, right? And it's perfect sense. Uh, kind of like I said earlier, like there's a market for everybody, you know? Mm -hmm. Cause like you said, like you said, timing was a big issue for me. Mm -hmm. Like this is more on the showing sides. Like when I have a house and I'm yeah. trying to get it rented out, I never do it myself anymore. I've done it myself once or twice and it was both horrible experiences. Yep. So my realtor that I use is I rely heavily, like heavily on that person to yep. find me the right tenant, you know, because like th that's their expertise. They, they know mm -hmm. exactly what they're doing. Even when it comes to purchasing at this point in my career, I have a rhythm of like, all right, I know what to expect and how to cow eats the cabbage. But earlier on, but even to this day, I still like to have that second set of eyes to say, Hey, this is a good deal. You should go for it. You know? Yeah. And like, you don't get that from like your peers, you get that from someone that's in the market, someone that knows the game. Right. And so, 100%, yeah, but yeah, but I totally get it. You know, like there's a reason to have one and there's a reason to not. So yeah. it's really figuring out when you need it and when you don't. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You got to know when to delegate these things. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Time's money, man. And mm -hmm. one thing I wanted to touch on was, you know, we haven't had much perspective on is your, your thoughts on condos, right? The property you oh. bought was a condo, right? Obviously condos, you get a little bit more of a price break than a standalone freestanding home but there is associated fees. And that's always been the deterrent for me. What's your thoughts with, uh, I guess, even anybody that's in, looking to invest in uh, condos versus single family homes or other types of property class? What's your pros and cons when it comes to to condos? So condos, yeah, obviously, I mean, that, that maintenance fee, it can kill your cash flow, right? I mean, it's for a lot of the investors that I've worked with. I mean, even when I look for myself, everything looks amazing until that, maintenance fee comes into the picture and it just eats your cash flow. I mean, we're talking anywhere from like three to, you know, a thousand dollars a month, right? It just depends on the place. So yeah, I mean, it, it sucks, but if the rent that you can get from the place, cause usually obviously if maintenance fees goes up, you know, usually rentals and those, the rental prices in those areas are pretty high too. Right. At the end of the day, man, really just make, comes down to just doing the math and you know, what is your, your goal as far as like investing is concerned, right? Condos are just like any other property, right? I mean, you have that houses have HOA fees, right? Obviously they're not as much, but it's just something you have to work into the equation. The good thing about condos, like you said, it's a little cheaper. That maintenance fee obviously kills you. And uh, what was I going to say? A lot of times, like uh, depending on the condo, the association can have a lot of restrictions. For example, the short-term rental stuff, right? If your tenant puts trash in their, you know, right in front of their front door, 
instead of taking it down to the dumpster. You'll get fined for that, right? They can increase insurance on you. The maintenance fees can go up over the years, right? So there's a lot of like annoying little things. The only thing about condos is this, right? Usually when the market starts to kind of go down, condos typically don't get hit first. But the only thing is when the market bounces back, they usually don't bounce back either as fast as the rest of the other properties. But just for me personally, I don't know if I do another condo unless I get like a really amazing deal on it. Because I mean, if I didn't have that maintenance fee, like I'd I'd be making a nice chunk of change. Yeah, the condo fees, are that's always been a deterrent for me. And again, like you said, it depends on the class of property. If it's an A-class, you know, phenomenal neighborhood, they'll probably charge higher end. In your experience, have you seen many rates increases on that condo fee, which again, it doesn't matter if the the mortgage is paid off or not, maintenance fee is going to be there for life, right? What if it has increased, what all does that cover in your in your situation? So part of the maintenance fee is to take care of the pool, obviously the grounds. Yeah, I mean the basic stuff, right? There's some, you know, maintenance as far as like plumbing, because of my my complex is a little older, right? So we constantly have these plumbing issues. At first I thought it was including insurance. And well actually it does include insurance right but lately one of the problems is along with over the years you know i went from paying like close to 300 dollars, you know and yeah it's been like 15 years or so well actually no it's been like almost yeah 17 18 years yeah and um i'm seeing the maintenance fee go up to almost 400 dollars, and then every now and then in between there you get these special assessments for for insurance increases right so on top of that almost 400 dollars, then i'm paying like another extra $90 a month for the special assessment that may last like six months. All right. Uh, So those are the little things that really can be annoying. That's the thing that kind of makes me not want to buy a condo again. So do you have additional insurance or you don't need additional building insurance whenever you pay a maintenance fee? So this insurance just doesn't like cover your tenant or anything, right? Like this insurance only covers just maybe like, uh, what is it? Uh, common pipes and things like that and common areas still, right? The reason why they had to increase the insurance for us specifically is because of these plumbing issues, the common pipes, the their boiler and things like that, that they were constantly having issues with. But yeah, I mean, that's typically where that, that, where that money's going. Wow. Yeah, that's always been because when I'm researching the market, and when you see condos come up, I'm like, wow, it's affordable. The location's good, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And then when you scroll down and you see a little maintenance fee, I'm like, golly, I mean, the numbers get crazy. And the yeah. fear of them, like, could they really have control over it, right? To say, mm-hmm. oh, we could raise it up, you know, like these special assessments for nine months, you're going to pay an extra $90. I mean, like, that's unbelievable, you know? Like you said, it's one thing if you're living there. If you're living there, then it's like, okay, cost of living, it is what it is. But when you're running a business and you're trying to make this an investment, it'll shoot you in the foot, right? Like, how are you going to turn a dollar when your maintenance fees are eating everything up, right? So you were saying that you wouldn't go the route of a condo again, and specifically because of those fees? That's the biggest reason why, right? Like I said, if I was to get just like anything, right? I mean, if I was to get just this amazing deal on Mm -hmm. this place, you know, then my mortgage would be so low. Like I would be like, yeah, no problem. I can handle it. Sure, sure. Right. But yeah, I think that it wouldn't be my go-to investment. I don't think, I'd rather do a townhouse to be honest with you. I mean, townhomes, you know, if they have, you know, monthly assessments are usually pretty low. Townhouses usually have low maintenance fees, if any at all. Those kind of align more like a house, right? They'll probably yeah, have absolutely. Like a, yeah, it's not as bad. Yeah. And, and you probably have a little bit of a yard and all that stuff, right? So it's a little if bit If you're more, lucky, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nice. That's interesting. So I don't know if I'm putting the car before the horse, but like, I just want to throw out there, like, what's your thoughts or plans for the next one to three years? Mm, that's a good question, man. So one to three years, 
honestly, I mean, in this market, right, we're still like in a seller's market. Just from what I've been reading, what I've been seeing, like I, with the inventory, the way it is, I don't know if the seller's market is going to change for at least for a few years, right? So I, I think that I'll be looking more for foreclosures, you know, attend those auctions the second Tuesday of every month. So short-term goals, like I want to pick up some some single family homes. Then I would say post three years, I'd like to go a little bit more into multifamily, you know, quads and more, maybe smaller apartment complexes, you know, figuring out financing for those is going to be something that I work on also in the next yeah. one to three years. And the reason being is for short-term, I call the single family homes my big doors, right? So if the big doors, when you have the big doors, they're a little you can be a little bit more nimble with your investment. You can divest them pretty easily, fairly easily compared to multifamily, which I call my small doors, right? Now, small doors are great when you want to have good cash flow, monthly cash flow, but you're not going to be as nimble with that investment as you are with the, with the big doors, right? With the single family homes. So I think later on in my investment journey, I think it's, I'm going to be more focused on the the cash flow and the multiple families. I agree. The bigger the asset, the harder to move, right? When it, when it yeah. gets to those you know, multi-unit apartment complexes and things like that. So they're question. so romantic though. I, I think of, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Like when I think, cause I, I yeah. really want to get into the multifamily world, but I feel the same way. I'm like, oh, if I need to unload this because I'm looking, I always look and I see like, like an eight unit or a 10 unit or a four unit or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And they've been on the market for like 190 days. And I'm like, oh, like I could probably get a good deal because, you know, maybe they're like really hurting and they want to get unload this property. But what if I eventually, be, you know, get to a point where I'm like, I need to unload this property. I got to give myself 200 days to sell. You know what I mean? Like not only that, but like these people that have these places, typically like they bought them like years ago. I mean, every time right. I see one of these the owners had them for so many years, right? And they got it at one price and now they're selling it like at some enormous price. They're going to make their money. You know, they made yeah. their cash flow. They're going to make their, you know, appraised value on it. Sorry, their uh, appreciation on it. Right. Then you come in and you try to buy it. How many years are you going to have to hold on to it before you can actually break yeah. even, right? That's the thing. So like, if you got the money to, to put into it, you know, buying those lower class buildings is going to be the way to go. Otherwise you're going to be sitting on that for a nice, nice, long, long time. Right. Yeah. I guess it's really more so about like, what is your long-term plan? Like, yeah. are you willing to hold on to this property for X amount of years? Because I'm just making it up. Let's say before the 10 year mark, don't even think about trying to sell it. After, yeah. After the 10 year mark, maybe you've made up all your money. You got your appreciation. Then you really get your payday on the back end, right? Where yeah. sell it. And even if it takes a long time to sell it, it's not a big deal. Right. And getting that class bumped up makes a huge difference too, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 What you, you what you add class... into it? Yeah. What you the renovations oh, sure, you put sure. into yeah. it? Yeah. You you want to build that thing up, and I'm with you. You have to get through a couple cycles, economic cycles, right? Like I mean, sure. Like you said, it's probably a down cycle now, and who knows when the up cycle will be? But yeah, it's those are gonna be long term holds and understanding what your length of uh, thing is. So yeah. yeah, but I mean, well, you know, on that sense, I mean, if you were to do all this over again, knowing what mm -hmm. you know today, how would you start this project over? I mean, would it be real estate? What would you do if you, if you knew everything you do now, but had to start over? Man, honestly, I would have started way earlier. I would have started way earlier because I mean, at least then, so when you're younger and you start a little younger, you know, you can make some mistakes and it's not going to hit you. Right. You learn, you got more years to to hold on to these properties. Right. I mean, and just like anything yeah. else, like you, even if you buy a property right now, let's say you're paying like 
700 on it, right? I mean, in 10, 15 years, prices of homes have just been appreciating. It's been steadily, you know, it's had its ups and downs, but, you know, after if you're looking at the 15-year, 20-year chart, it's up there, right? They're yeah. continuing to grow. So, you know, having something for an extended period of time, I would have started way earlier, but you know, honestly, yeah, that is the main thing is just starting early. Cause if you just, this is what I tell like people that they're always like, oh man, I don't know if I should invest, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, look, just, just do it. <laughs> just start now because if you don't, you're going to have the same story like 10 years from now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like me, I told you, I had a whole bunch of other like, you know, things that were going on. I had a different outlook on life. But if you have any desire to get into the real estate game and to do investing, then yeah, that's what I would do. Uh, I would just start. Just get started right away because you're going to learn whether you want to or not. Like if once you're in it, you get your first place, you're going to you're basically thrown into the fire. You're going to learn. So I would have done things. I would have started earlier. And I, and as far as investing is concerned, I do a little bit of options trading and stuff like that. I would have started that way earlier too, right? So, really? so any, any kind of investment thing that you're wanting to do, just yeah. get started. Just do it. Start and learn along the way. That's it. Well, that's solid advice. And really... Yeah. Is specific to real estate. I always say it's a pretty forgiving business. As long as you're yeah. not making crazy moves, mm -hmm. it's fairly forgiving. And there's a lot of leverage you could pull to get out of a quote unquote bad deal, right? Yeah. Like worst case scenario, you could sell the property. If you're going to sell in a down market, just rent it for a little bit and wait for the market to go back up, then sell exactly. it. You know, like there's so many different ways to get out. So that's, I mean, that's solid advice. Like for anyone that's listening, that's thinking about it. Like, I, I think that's solid advice, right? Like just, yeah. I mean, definitely do your due diligence and figure out what's the best route to take. But don't sit in your hands for too long because yeah. having time in the market is really your best friend. Like the yeah. longer you're in the game, it's way better, right? Like no one that bought a house in 1980 when the interest rates were like 13, 15%. Yeah. No one's complaining because they bought that house for $30,000, right? Yep. Like no one's saying, oh my God, I bought this $30,000 house and it was 15% interest. Mm -hmm. Like that thing's been paid off and been churning out money for them all this time, right? Yeah. And that's kind yeah. of like, I feel like that's what we're living through right now, right? People are having a little bit of heartache of the 7% interest, which don't get me wrong. Like I'd like to complain about that too, mm -hmm. but you know, 10 years from now, the pricing of these houses are going to be way more. Right. Yep. And so if we think of these excuses to not be in the game, you just won't be in the game. You know, you, you won't get the appreciation of your property. You won't be able to get that cash flow. Again, I'm not trying to say be dumb about it and just jump without looking, mm -hmm. but do some more detailed looking, right? Like if you're considering it, you should dive in. Right. Yeah, I think you you hit upon a really good point, right? There's this like uh, romantic thought about you know jumping into real estate and getting a real estate, having cash flow, all these like little keywords, right? right? People love hearing that, but man, like I think a lot of people like uh, they don't understand what due diligence actually is, right? Like real estate is a it's a risk. It's it, every investment is a risk, right? But with real estate, you have the opportunity to make a way more calculated risk, right? So if you actually do your due diligence, right, it's not about like, oh, my mortgage is this much. I can get this much in rent. Oh, I'm going to do it. No, there's a lot more like stuff you got to put into it, right? A lot of people don't even think about like property tax. They don't think about insurance. They don't think about, uh, you know, maintenance costs. Like how much is your maintenance going to be? And I always tell people, I was like, look, man, like if you're starting off, put in like worst case scenarios for yourself, man. Like what's the worst thing? Can I afford this? Right. 
And then like, also think about like, if you're really savvy, right? Like if you're, you know, like you're doing like modeling on, you know, spreadsheets and things like that. Great. Like figure out how to do it and like figure out what your time horizon is. Like what happens if you run into this patch of inflation, you know, what are you going to do if this, that, or the other happens, right? That's due diligence. That's when you're like this investment thing is like, oh, I just want to make an investment. No, dude, an investment is something that you're actually doing work on right like you go to work and you're running numbers at work dude it's the same way in your own life right you got to run numbers you got to do those spreadsheets you got to figure out what's going to work in different situations right so I, I think people have a very romantic idea of what investing in real estate is and they don't really put a whole lot of thought into it right so i, I think Definitely. that's very what you said was key you hit it right on the head they've got to actually do the work, right? They got actually do, do due diligence, yeah. For sure, man. I mean, it's kind of posed as a get rich quick. And it's yeah. not. It's like it's mm -hmm. get wealthy slow. Like that's, that's really right. what it is. Yeah. And so I think that that's kind of we don't want to sell you a lie, is what I'm trying to mm -hmm. say. Like real estate's great. We love it. But just know that it's not like, a, oh, you're going to be, you could quit your job tomorrow. That's not the case. Like I'm still yeah. working. I've been an investor for like 15 years, 14 years. I don't even know what it is, but yeah. I'm still working. I'm still working my nine to five job, mm -hmm. but you're building wealth and you're building something for your legacy. I mean, like that's kind of what it is, right? And that's another good point, man. Like is legacy, right? Legacy is not, oh, I want to have, a, you know, a hundred properties. I mean, yeah, that's fine. That's not legacy. The legacy is you want to have a hundred properties and then that's, cash flow for your kids right? right so this is one thing that i i'm also doing is like with like we talked about the one to three year you know like what are my goals right as i buy these properties like i'm trying to involve my kids and as the, you know they ask me dad what are you doing oh okay i'm looking for a, a place you know like an investment property oh and i say okay what what do you think we should do so I start asking questions, getting more involved, like, hey, this is why I'm looking at this specific property versus another one. And then like, even with the place I have now, you know, like I take them over there if I need to do some work, if I'm do, if I'm actually, there's something that I can do myself, right? Yeah. I'll take him with me and be like, hey, this is, look, this is what we're doing. This is how you do it. That's what my dad did with me. He took yeah. me to the rental houses. Like we were like fixing windows and tile and this and that and the other, right? So because legacy is not just handing over this cash cow to your kids, because they don't have a respect for it at that point. It's just something that brings in money and they don't know what to do with it. So you see a lot of people that are just like, you know, they inherit properties from their families or whatever. And then they just kind of like, oh, we'll just sell it. We don't know what to do with it. But then there's like so much value in that, right? So if kids have a respect or, or even an understanding of how this stuff works and, and how this is going to help them in their future and how this is going to help make the money, yeah. then they can take over and like use it, right? Take yeah. care of it. And maybe even expand it and like grow their wealth, right? So right. It's, it's just, you know, and then another thing is right this, right? Not only how do you invest in new properties, but how do you divest in the properties that you have right now too, right? It's really, these are things that, you know, like most kids whose parents invest and stuff don't know, right? Like, so, and my kids don't know this stuff, but that's, that's what I said. That's my goals. I only got one property right now, right? So yeah, yeah. as I grow my portfolio, then these are things that I really want my kids to know. And all I can do is wish and hope that they want to learn, right? At the end of the day, we never know. You hit a lot of good points that we actually cover on the show a lot, right? It's about, you know, we say legacy, but we say it loosely, right? Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, like you said, you never know. The stuff that we build, it may hand it off to our kids and they may not, they may take care of it. They may not take care of it, right? Yeah. But it's something that we've never been taught 
like what money is and how to handle it right and how to kind of manage it and i'm I'm a big proponent with any any kids that i meet that are coming through college i tell them hey dude this is what you need to invest in right somebody told me hey buy your first piece of property i mean it's there's so many tax benefits all the things that you can actually kind of claim if you're doing your job to educate that to your kids right i mean whenever they're ready right I, like you yeah. said, whenever they're ready to ingest that right and just kind of be open with them on that Mm-hmm. it'll do them so much more. I think it's just planting those little seeds in their head. It may not plant today or it may not catch root today, but mm-hmm. hopefully when they familiar. come out of college, yeah, exactly. They, they're like, yeah. Oh, dad told me about that, mm-hmm. you know, or, or yeah. whatever. Right. So that's, no, that, you, that's great. Totally. Right. I mean, like, I think it's an exposure thing, right? Like we have the obligation to expose our children to these types of worlds. Right. And when we talk about legacy, I don't think about just the future, but we are a part of a legacy, right? Like mm-hmm. our parents did something big. They came from, a different country came to this country, made something out of nothing and showed us what hard work really means, right? And so yeah. we we have the obligation to take it to the other level saying, all right, I'm going to couple this hard work ethic with smart work ethic and then grow it like that and then expose my kids to that. And then they have the obligation to do even bigger and better, right? Exactly. And so, and it's not like this thing, like if they don't do it, that we failed. It's like, no, mm-hmm. no, you have your right to do whatever you want to as you become an adult, right? But it's still my obligation to show you what I believe is correct, right? And exactly. so give them the tools. Give them the tools. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's solid. I mean, before we started this podcast, you mentioned a project, a special project you're working on or a different business you're working on. Did you want to oh, yeah. give us a little bit of color on that? So I had a client that needed some 3D renderings of a place that he wanted to build on this land that he owned. He had floor plans, but he didn't have any any renderings of the home. So I did a little bit of research and, and got with um, a few people that were well-versed in, in architecture and uh, design, CAD design. So we ended up starting a company. It's called needrenderings.com. And so what we do is we take floor plans that either a builder or or just someone may have just floor plans, right? We take those floor plans and we can create actual like scaled 3D rendering with all the textures and furniture and, and, oh, you know, wow. just complete like 3d renderings for that are ready for your clients to look at and say, Oh, this is what I'm going to get. Right. So, so yeah, I started that company this past year, of course, just like a, just like any starting entrepreneur, right? Like I, I bootstrapped this thing. Like I created the webpage. Yeah. So if you go to needrenderings.com, You'll see the webpage that I created. I'm still working on transferring the domain and things like that over. So, but the company still exists. The company exists and we're we're doing actively doing work. So if anyone needs any uh, 3D renderings uh, that they have floor plans for, then, you know, just give me a holler. The concept sounds super cool. And w- when yeah. I think about it, I'm, I'm thinking about just my mind's blowing with AI and everything else. Right. Oh, I'm yeah. just thinking yeah. like, man, you can <laughs> you can literally just have just a, a floor plan, like a drawing. And I'm like. You, you can build whatever building you want without even having the construction done, you know? Exactly. <laughs> you right. look, yeah. And that's what the pictures will look like. So that's kudos to you, man. Like, I'm Thanks sure that, you man. could probably leverage like AI to the umpteenth for that, that project too, you know? I was going to ask for this business, who is your target market? Is it a end user, like, like someone building a house or is it like, uh, construction companies or, or who would it be architectures? So the main focus right now, because being in real estate, you know, you see a lot of these independent builders, right? So these guys that right. have floor plans for places and then they're planning on building, but then they have these black and white, you know, sketches, basically wireframes of houses that they're going to build. So really the, right. the first, the initial target market was small builders. They may only be able to afford like just getting a floor plans done. And that's fine because architects will charge uh, or these these firms will charge several 
several thousand dollars just to do a 3D rendering, right? You know, and having the small independent developers in mind, we can create these 3D models if, you know, probably around half the price or less, right? But then we also do the animated fly-throughs of the house and the exterior. We can do all that stuff. You know, those are the, the initial target markets, right? But, you know, we're looking at bigger builders also, not okay. the independent ones, but some of the ones that are a little more well-established. So, yeah, we're slowly getting into those areas, right? So it's a, it's a no, process. Yeah. No, it's super cool. I wanted to ask that question because I didn't know if it was like, hey, you're building a house, give us your floor plans and we'll let you see what it looks like. And, you know, that'd be cool too. But I think what you're saying makes way more sense. Like having a small builder saying, hey, we could be more marketable to the market. If we could say, not only do you have this flat 2D like blueprint of what your house is going to look like, why don't we just do a fly through so you could actually feel what it looks like when you navigate through the house. Like that's, our yeah. church actually did that. We're in the process of building our new church building mm -hmm. and the architecture company did that for us. And I was like, whoa, I mean, it makes it's it's really a nice. huge difference. It's like night and day. Like when you look at a floor plan, you can be like, okay, I generally get an idea. Mm -hmm. When you do a fly through and you actually walk through like a 3D structure and you're seeing like, oh, this is what a person would look like in this whole space. And it makes, it shows how grand it is. It shows yeah. how, what this texture looks like, what this wall, how big this wall really is going to be, or what this window is going to look out to, you know, those type of things. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's a whole new world, man. Like it's a, it's a different game. Yeah, and the cool thing is like the customer has like, they say, oh, I want this color paint in this house or they send us pictures of what they want their banister to look like, their kitchen to yeah. look like. And then we make the interior of the building look exactly like that. So they They're can get a cool. much better idea of what it's actually going to look like. It's basically the virtual tour that they have now of the actual houses, right? If yeah. you think about, you know, how you can create a whole virtual tour on, mm -hmm. on some of these realtor platforms. That, that's really cool. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think you can have a runway, man. There's tons of construction yeah. happening. There's a ton of people building now. I mean, you could probably even leverage it. I'm, I'm, are you kind of dabbling into the commercial side too, or just residential or? No, I mean, so it's, so we can do commercial and residential, right? Be, because just being in the real, residential real estate space, it's easier for me to reach out to some of these and they're a little more accessible to some of the commercial guys, but you sure. know, slowly but surely I'll get in there. Very cool. You know, for our viewers, uh, if they mm -hmm. want to reach out to you, if they need a rendering, if they need to get in touch with you as a realtor or, or whatever the case be, um, you know, you want to spot off some uh, social handles or anything like that? Uh, let's see. You can email me on my email, sales at tobinv.com. I have my website, tobinv.com. I'm not sure exactly what it looks like anymore. It's been a long time <laughs> since I've been there. <laughs> yeah, we could throw some of these on the show notes as well. So Right. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, and then if you just go to needrenderings.com, all the contact information for the companies in there. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. That is cool. awesome, dude. Yeah, you're killing it, man. I mean, keep it up and uh thanks again for being on the show. Again, super excited. Yeah, super excited to have you. For those of you guys listening and made it to the end of the interview, thanks again for joining, for listening. Please follow, subscribe, share these podcasts to to whoever you think could use it. Again, thanks Saj for uh joining and I guess we'll wrap it up for this session. Take care, guys. All right. Later, y'all. Peace. Later. Thanks for listening to Guts and Grind with Siju and Sajin. Be sure to tune in next time.